Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. This is the Flow Track Podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack. Doing a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday recording this week. And I believe we're back on YouTube, Gordon. So hello again to our YouTube friends. It's good to be live again. It's always good. We were not live, and now we're live. What a journey. Two podcasts without a live audience. I don't know how we survived. Just you and me talking with no one listening at the time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, people listen to the archive or on Spotify, iTunes, like, subscribe. You know the whole thing, the internet. Anyway, I think we need to start this podcast, though, with a video that has just gone viral on the internet this morning. It's a classic Florida Man video. And I know this has nothing to do with track and field, nothing to do with marathon, cross country, field events. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could call it a field event. I don't know. This, this could be a, a future This track and field event. Maybe in the future. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there's this video around the internet of Florida man, classic Florida man, catching an alligator yeah. with a garbage can. <laughs> we're going to watch this in full and we'll commentate over it. As you can see, alligator unwelcome on the front porch of this man's home. The guy takes, what, a 64, 128 gallon mm-hmm. trash can and just slowly. Pushes towards him, and the alligator just is like backing up. Can slowly realizes, man, this this bin of <laughs> darkness is coming towards me, and he starts just pushing towards him. Alligator doesn't know how to. Looks like alligators aren't good at walking backwards. Right, pushes right. the lid on top of him, and the alligator goes nuts, and it works. Look at him; he slowly but surely. Gets the shaking alligator into the garbage can. Success. No one hurt. No one's. Uh, I think. I, I'm assuming oh, we, the alligator we know is fine. I don't think. I think the alligator's fine. I don't think it was hurt. It's, you know, maybe a couple bumps and bruises from the dip into the can. But man, would you have been able to pull something off like that? No, no. I I would not have had the courage to do it. I would not have had the wherewithal to figure out how to do it. And physically, I would not have been able to. I can't 
even get a spider in the cup in my house. Like when you try to put the cup over the spider and then put the paper underneath it, that requires way too much coordination for me. This video just kept getting better and better. I thought he was just gonna kind of do like a football sled sort of thing. And he was just gonna like push yeah. the gator away using the trash can as a barrier in between himself and the gator. But then he just totally one-ups himself by by flipping it up and putting him in. And he's like, make sure the tail gets in and shuts it and puts his hand on top. This is a complete effort by this guy. See, now what I want to see is the next part of this story where the guy just puts the garbage can at the corner and then the garbage man comes to collect the garbage oh, yeah. and then opens it up and is in for a, a surprise. This is a live alligator in his trash can. That I would thought be there would be a... I thought there'd be a twist at the end with the like the head popping up, uh, but luckily there was yeah. not. That, that was well that we saw at least they sh they stopped recording at that point. I mean, so much could have gone wrong there, and it did. Like the guy pitched a perfect game. Yeah, could have gone around him. Game. It could have gone around him. Could have well, popped out. Could have like it's... turned and twisted. I think it shows that the alligators don't really have that great of agility. I think. Mm -hmm we overestimate their ability and that it's kind of actually easy to get away from an alligator because they can't turn Ooh. or go backwards as quick as possible as you would think, you know, like if you think you like, if you're racing an alligator, if you're racing an alligator, you just got to kind of run like at an angle and the alligator is not going to be able to go at that angle. Okay. Alligators are only good in a straight line forward, you know, so interesting okay so you're saying 100 meter they'd be fine but you would not like alligators chance off the curve in a 200 yeah a four a 200 alligator you know they're they're like you know it's not good they're just gonna drift they're gonna drift they're gonna run out yeah 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 they're, they're only getting the 60 and the 100 and definitely good not starters house. good starters right we would agree like they can stay low obviously drive face yeah I'd say an alligator probably has a good start. Um, the the lean they don't really have much of a lean because right. their their chest can't go forward. It just is kind of where their chest is is stagnant the entire time. Sure, they can't like lift up. Tail? How would they utilize their tail most effectively? Do you think in a track race? Well, that they could probably have some problems with some disqualifications because the tail. The lane is only a certain width wide, and that tail is going to be wagging back and forth, and it might trip up a competitor yeah. in, on the outside or inside lane. So they get, probably have to be, they probably have to work like watch out for questionable moves that they could do with their tail. You know, it's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, a race walker. You know, sometimes you see them running, and you're like, hey, you can't be doing that. Can't be running in this race walk. And I think this Once alligator can't be, you know. Sh putting his tail in other people's lanes. You know? Especially if it's a conference meet, right? Conference meet, people are looking for DQs everywhere because they're trying to get, get get points and all the right. I mean, we saw how – remember how contentious SECs was last year? People pushing each other, Big 12s, ramming people over. I'm just saying, like – Yeah. I would worry about the alligator in that sort of restrictive officiating environment. Yeah. And so you're saying an alligator versus Festus Legat is not going to go down well? It's going to just bam, bam, so bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam. Well, so wasn't it the who are the two teams in the SEC 5K who like got into a like a shoving match? I'm remembering that. Correctly, uh, Alabama right? and Arkansas, I think. 
Okay. I think it was Alabama and Arkansas. Yeah. Or maybe it was Arkansas and Ole Miss. One of those. Yeah. I don't know. SEC has a lot of things like that. I mean, there was that one. That, was it A and M and Florida? They got in a, a scuffle. Yeah. At Nationals yeah. in the four by four. Remember that? Yeah, they don't like each other. Uh, you know. Anyway, who? So, what would you think would be like a? Now, obviously, you put a like. I like how we're turning the opening podcast about this alligator man. We'll hey, get man, to London it's, Marathon. It's hump second. day. We'll London, London Mar- Marathon. We're gonna be talking about the London Marathon and uh, some upcoming cross country meets. But if you had to go up against an alligator, like if you could like draft mm-hmm. an animal to go race an alligator that you think could beat the alligator in a hundred meter dash, who would you pick? But you rules are it has to be a reptile. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm Googling fastest reptiles. Wow, it says green sea turtles can reach 22 miles an hour? A sea turtle? What? That's what it says. That's what it says. Well, is that in water, though? Is that in water? Well, that'd be ridiculously fast. Um, snakes. A lot of snakes are fast, too. Yeah, snakes, I think, you know what? quick. Uh, Komodo dragon. I've been watching a lot of... Uh, Watch a, plan- a lot of Planet Earth. I think the Komodo dragon has that mentality that I'd want out there. All right, this is according to worldatlas.com. A bearded dragon. Oh, this is 40 kilometers an hour. Bearded dragon. Uh, Colt, can we get a picture up of a bearded dragon? Can we see what that looks like? If possible. Green iguana, 35 kilometers an hour. Leatherback sea turtle. It says 35.28, which is very specific. Black mamba, 23. Komodo Dragon 21. So maybe my Komodo Dragon uh, pick is a little misguided there. I'm, I'm picking that more on, like, reputation. And it, it's in the headlines a lot, right? Komodo Dragon. Like, everybody's heard it, seen it. But this Bearded Dragon, I'm interested to see what, what it brings. Because apparently it can go 40 kilometers an hour. Yeah, look at that thing. It looks like it's got oh, wow. people on its back. What is that? Is that, is that like its family on its back? Yeah, I mean, the thing about a Komodo dragon or a bearded dragon is there's the intimidation factor. They're tiny. Right? If you're go- They're tiny. Six to 24 inches. That's it. I just heard That's intimidating, a lot of strides. Though. A lot of strides. I just feel like if I saw a Komodo dragon at the starting line, I would just freak out right. and think, why, yes. why am I racing a Komodo dragon? You know, I'll be like, what simulation right. am I in right now? Because I'm a human and I shouldn't be racing dragons. Whereas if you step to the line against a bearded dragon and it's 16 to 24 inches, you would not be intimidated at all. But that first step is just going to set you back and then you're going to be scrambling a little bit. I mean, I would not have thought that they could go this quickly. I I need to see some some videos here. Um, Anyway, like how how long? Oh, these are the ones that go up on two legs. (laughs) I think. Hold on, I'm looking. You're diving at a little now. too deep. You're going too Hold deep. On. Oh, Colt, you got to, you got to show this video. Hold up, let me. I'm, I'm gonna do one more thing. Oh, here. We have a video. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna send it to Colt on, on YouTube. Yeah, it, 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 it takes a while to get going, but then once it goes, so I, I'm not. After watching this video, I just don't think it has the endurance over a hundred. Maybe not even a forty. Like it needs to run like a five. <laughs> a five, I would take the bearded dragon, but not, not <laughs> anything. Well, just look out. Okay, so watch this. Watch this. All right, so this guy's pushing out the, getting it to go. 
and then watch that. Oh, man, that's quick. Right, but how that long can quick. it sustain that? How long can it sustain that before it ties up? Also, you talked before about the lean. You can't get any more anti-lean than that. It's like straight up and down, right? Like if it leaned, it would fall forward and totally ruin. Like it's not even using the other two legs at all. Not yeah, it feels efficient. like it's going to fall backwards. Right, exactly. Yeah. So with, with, with the lean, I don't think uh, I don't think you need to worry about the old bearded dragon. But nevertheless, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. This is the Flow Track Podcast, where we discuss which reptiles are the fastest. Also, London Marathon. Gordon, you got uh, the new cross country show is out, correct? You want to talk about that? Yeah, episode two out on YouTube yesterday, and also on the site. But break down individual contenders. I uh, go on a mini rant about um, the coaches poll. Spoiler alert, I, I tweeted this out. The coaches poll ranked the New Mexico women third in the nation. Makes sense, right? Yeah. However, they also ranked the New Mexico women 13th in their own regional. How can a team be 13th in their regional but third in the nation? Makes no sense. Typo? I've, I've a, I would hope it's a typo. I would hope it's a yeah. typo. I did reach out to a couple mountain regional coaches. One coach says said, oh, the person who ranks the mountain regional doesn't know what they're doing. And I did reach out to Joe Franklin, New Mexico coach, and it's like, yo, just people don't like me, I guess. I guess I'm Wait. just not liked. Wait, so an individual does it? It's not coaches ranking it? So – the way it works is there's a group of like nine coaches or so that rank the national poll and they just make a list of 25 and then that's the ranking. And then the regional poll is one coach in each region who does the poll. Oh, so there's a, okay. there's a coach in the mountain regional whose job is every week to submit. Here are the top okay. 15 teams in the mountain region. And they decided to take the New Mexico women and drop them from second in the region the 13th even though nothing happened this past weekend either like they didn't even race this past weekend so like what do they do who, who did joe franklin upset that's what i want to isn't know. it isn't it weird though to have two completely different ways to rank teams within the same like organization i think that's like to me you get you get coaches right to rank the if it's the coach. well it is a coach well, that's the, it's a coach it, well no it. I know, but they, it's the coaches poll. It's not coach poll or a coach poll. Yeah, it's true. It's called coaches. Like, what if in college football, they're just like, you know what? Only Clemson's coach is going to rank this week. All 25, we're just taking his list. Whatever it is, that's what we're doing. I mean, the moral of the story is coaches polls are fraud, and you should only look at flow track rankings for legitimate analysis. That's, that was my story of the, of the pod. <laughs> But anyway, people can find on YouTube episode two of the amazingly titled NCAA cross country show. Is that still the title? Yeah, good for SEO, man. People are searching yeah. that, right? If I call it something else, if I talk, call it the Gordon Mack show, no one's searching Gordon Mack on the internet, but people are searching mm. cross country and NCAA. Maybe my mom I, searches to make sure I'm not in trouble. But other than that, I saw the whiteboard where you came up with this name in the office. It was pretty inspired it was a lot it was a lot of bubbles and arrows and lines and everything like that all right so we got we got a show tomorrow and then we got a london marathon live watch party happening on sunday 2 30 a.m 
myself, Cathal Dennehy, track and field writer. He's actually going to be joining from Greece, which is great. I talked to him yesterday. Check the audio. He's all over Europe, Cathal. And where was the marathon invented, Gordon? In Greece. Where was exactly. So he's there on location reporting for us. <laughs> this is going to be terrific. We're going to talk, man. We're going to talk for, for three hours, basically, through that race. Beginning, during, after. So it's going to be on the YouTube page. So subscribe right now if you haven't. So that way you can get an alert if you're overseas. It's going to be an awesome time for you. If you're uh, not over, if you're in the United States, like I am, you'll get up early and watch along with us. We want to do a, a more complete, I guess, preview or just tie up any other loose ends. They had the men's press conference this morning. So there'll be more information that trickles out about some of the elites and their preparation. But just in general, Gordon, we've touched on a lot of these names before. What do you most, is there a, uh, an athlete or uh, a storyline that you're most interested in following? It is what's, what I'm wondering, right, is just we're having all the majors, boom, 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 boom. And we saw, I think, the impact on that in Berlin in the men's race where you had a slow time because the, the guy who got top billing, didn't, uh, Bekele, didn't run well. And then basically there, there wasn't the, the, the depth behind him. But you look at how deep the men's field is, it seems like London's just depth is going to even persevere in a year when there's so many ma majors happening and the depth is, is, is persisting despite the fact that there's all these other races going on. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the first, like, the main thing I'm focusing on is probably like the 204 barrier and mm -hmm. how many men run sub 204 in the same race. I think whether it's how many men break 203, how many men break 204, or how many men in that same race break 205, I feel like it might be a potential record for most people under a certain barrier because of the depth of the field. So that's what I'm more I'm excited about. It's like seeing the fifth place guy or the seventh place guy and seeing how incredibly fast they were and be like, damn, that person probably would have won Berlin or that person probably would be good enough to mm -hmm. win any of the other majors this fall. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm excited about is seeing the, the quickness of the fifth, the sixth, the seventh place runners. And, and they also have, whoever wins, obviously, but you know. Well, they have, they have the field to do that. I've mentioned four is the record for most two sub two hundred fours, in in one race. Now you have a number of guys in this race who have done it. You got six plus, you know, we a seventh in Shurikatada who hasn't broken two hundred four but won the race last year in in tough conditions. So we think he could do it too. So it's like you're basically going in seven guys having already done it. Now, can they do it on this course, on this day, when they're competing against each other? How many of them can do it? I'm not sure. I mean, are we going to see at least one? Yeah, I think the likelihood of that is very high. I don't think we're going to see a, a repeat of what we saw in Berlin, but just how many is an interesting question. Also, Kipchoge's not in this race. So this, and, you know, Katata's won a major. Legese has won two Tokyo marathons. But Nobody's really emerged as the second guy to Kipchoge. And maybe we get, because the second guy is just so far back from Kipchoge because he's been so dominant for so long. But maybe we see somebody come out of this race as a bona fide, hey, okay, especially if they're younger. Hey, you know, Kipchoge can't run forever. And when he steps aside, this person looks like they might be the next one. 
Yeah, I uh, I sent our producer the uh, URL of the entry so he kind of can visually see the different teams and that depth. So if you're following along visually, you know, keep track of all the names that we've been bringing up, you'll be able to uh, see. But yeah, you mentioned, I, I think you said there were six guys who have already broken to a four. I believe there's actually seven. Unless Once, one of these guys has dropped out. One scratch. So you got Legese, Garamu, okay. Akiru, Chibet, Lemma, and Atanwa. Uh, I don't know. Excuse me. Um, and then Katata would be in there. So there's like se okay. seven that are faster than 205. Then you have Kipchumba at 205.09. And then the next fastest after that on seed time, I believe, as of the listing, was 210. So there's, there's a big drop off between eight to nine there. But Again, nobody's going to replace Kipchoge, and Kipchoge doesn't even look like he's going anywhere. And whoever's next, I don't expect to run off the success that, that Kipchoge did. But it is interesting to see a London marathon without Kipchoge. You know, he ran last year, but didn't win. But then he won in 18 and 19, and then he won in 16 and 15. So he had a stretch there where he had won four of the five races. He was a fixture in this race. So to see the race go without him is it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for these guys to, to to fill in and maybe um put their name out there. Ikiro is the guy I'm really interested in. He had he's had a huge drop in time and he's already he's run his two oh three his sub two oh three this year. He did that in in Milan. So he's an interesting he's an interesting guy to watch. Yeah, if you've done it this year, sometimes PBs can be kind of misleading because it could be like a twenty eleven PB and you're just yeah. still there collecting that like, hey, I was good at one point, but the, yeah. the more recent you run your marathon, the more likely you are to repeat it, obviously. So, yeah, it'd be exciting. I mean, the question is like, whenever sometimes when you have too much talent all together in the same race, it can kind of mm -hmm. sabotage itself and people kind of hold sure. back because of the depth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, this, yeah. Like, when the Kipchoge's there, everyone kind of knows what's happening because we know he's there. But when there's yeah. not that, and it's like, does this cause the whole field to slow up because no one wants to be the sacrificial lamb in the beginning um, or in the middle? Uh, so my question is, what do we think the half mile, half marathon split will be? That's a great question. Because David Mondi just wrote an article this morning, headlined, Juicy Time Bonuses Could Spur Fast Times at London Marathon. Because basically he points out the winning, the, the bonuses for, for winning uh, rel are relatively modest. But you go sub 202, 150K, sub 203, 100K, sub 204, 75K. So, and he's saying the prize money is just 55,000 for the winner. So... You can and you get the time bonus wherever you finish. So if you go sub two hundred four, Gordon, and you get you could get seventy five k. That's more than winning. So yeah, to answer your question, yes, they are financially incentivized to go out hard. Now, I don't think we're going to see a sub sixty one like we saw in Berlin because they probably watched Berlin and saw what happened there and know hey, there's a limit to this and we'll end up being way because under this bonus structure. Uh, they would have gotten zero in prize money, right? The winner was above 205. Yeah. Is, sorry, zero in bonus money. They'd get the prize. But like, if you get fourth, right? And you run 207, that's not as valuable as if you get, you know, 
by fifth and run a 203.30 just with all this uh, incentive uh, for the time bonuses. So uh, I will predict, sorry, long way to say I will predict 6145. 6145. Yeah. So it's sub 62. Yeah. It's still going to be fast. Um, yeah, I could see that. I can see a high 61, low 62. Because, like you said, they might have saw the Berlin and got like a little gun shy, be like, ooh, I don't want that to happen to me, especially when I know it's about being under 204, not yeah. about like winning the race, because that's where the, the real money is. So, um, but you would think, you know, with seven guys, one to three of them may feel good and yeah. go for it. And you might have like, like two different races going on. You have the three of the seven who are going for broke who tried that sub-61 opening half, and then the mm -hmm, other four mm -hmm. who tried the 62 low opening half, and then they might combine eventually late in the race. Uh, it's like people who kind of were more conservative, the people who were more aggressive, and then you see which pathway worked best. Yeah, the way you get a multiple guys running sub 204 in a race is just to flood the zone with a whole bunch of guys being on pace right yeah. you have six or seven guys on pace through 25k or 30k are some of them going to completely fall apart yeah just a lot of averages tell us that but you're also going to get some guys across the line but there obviously is a line there's obviously a line here where there's such a thing as way too fast we just didn't talk about it as much because the times have been getting so quick it's like sure why not squat in 62 go on 61 go on 59 45 it's like well hold on, that was just kipchoge at like one little special event like let's not get carried away to think that that's possible every single time yeah we're starting to get a little um spoiled with yeah times right in the past you know five to ten years where we're just like assuming greatness every time we watch a marathon and we now see like a 205 winner and we're like oh okay i've seen better right and there was a time when 205 was always like a top five time in the world right yeah not that long ago so um but it's good to be spoiled right it's good because then we get to see some fast times we could see the greatness um it's gonna be exciting well what about oh what no i was just gonna say you know, there's obviously the impact of the shoes, right? But now that they've regulated the shoes, it's going to flatten out at a certain point. That's true. Right? And then you're going to be, and then times are going to get stagnant unless there's another Kipchoge that, that comes along. And then things will kind of settle in and then you'll see more incremental. I mean, the two, so the last time I'm looking at the uh, last time uh, someone ran 205.40, Someone ran, the last time someone ran slower than what Adola ran in the Berlin Marathon was 2009. Gabriel Selassie ran 206.08, and that was the year after he broke the world record. So basically, that was a unique, this was a uniquely slow year. And I think a couple things contributed. One, just the depth of the field, like we talked about, but also just going out that fast. There's a point where it gets detrimental. What about the women's race, man? What do you think of Bridget Koskai? What do you think she's going to do? Um, I'm, 
I'm very curious about Kazgai because she had this nice, like this nice streak going. Like she's she was ruling the ruling the women's marathon, uh, world record, back to back London wins, wins in Chicago, and then she gets beat at the trial or the trials, the Olympics. Excuse me. And I okay, you can see that right because there's championship style racing and then there's rabbited style racing and pace start style racing and she wouldn't be the first person who's better with just a straight up time trial so i'm interested to see in the rebound but i'm also interested to see hey how is she going to do coming back after the the olympics and all the women on here like if you show the, the roster of women up here like Kosgai ran at the olympics as i mentioned derege ran at the olympics Dababa ran at the olympics uh, Jip Koskai didn't. Uh, Lona Salpeter's not on that list because she got added later for Israel. I mean, she's struggling the Olympics. She got 66, but she's she's the the second seed based on time. So, yes, to answer your question, very curious on Koskai, but I don't. This is a weird situation that a lot of these athletes are in. They re a lot of them really like the there's the two marathons a year pattern, even though we've seen people break out of it, and to go two marathons back to back in, in seven weeks. I, I don't know how everybody's gonna handle it. I, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, this also though has the depth, right? How many women are sub, uh, are like two, sub 220? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine women, sub 220. Um, we should be seeing a lot of two teens, right? Uh, in this race. I think mm -hmm. 220 is always like that barrier in my mind for like women's marathoning of like, you know, that means you, like when I see a sub 220, that's where I'm like, okay, that's sure. You, you, you're, you're, a, I would say you're a dude, but like our guy, but I'm not with a girl version of you're a dude. Uh, what, what, what is it? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you're say a you're, boss. Uh, I don't know. You're a boss. <laughs> you're a boss. There you go. You're a boss. Um, so, I, I think um, with having seven to eight women who have already broken 220, um, this could be kind of similar to the men's race where we could see like a historic depth, a historic fourth place finisher or fifth place finisher. And like you mentioned, uh, David Monte's article, time is money in this situation, literally. Yeah. So seeing uh, what, what are the, the time bonuses for the women? You know, what, he, let's bring that up. I don't. Did he list them on here too? I, I, I just see the men's bonuses. Oh, he here. didn't list the women. No, um, not in this article. Um, but yeah. So we talked about we talked about the amount of guys going sub two hundred four and and the the record from from Valencia. The women's for sub the marker sub two nineteen, so a little bit faster than the Gordon Mack two twenty. But the record for most sub two nineteen is also Valencia, but the twenty nineteen. Valencia Women's Marathon, where you had four people go sub 219. But perhaps we could see that here. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look at the list. I mean, we have one, two, three, four, four women. I think there's five women who have broken 219 with a, a mm -hmm. six who's won 219.10. Yeah. You know, so it's possible if we have a great day, you know, why not? Let's make history. So, yeah, the person I'm watching is the person who didn't run at the Olympics, Jeb Koskai, because I think she's going to be at a bit of an advantage. And this is only her third marathon. She's she's paced London before, but she's never run it. Remember, she was breaking all those half marathon 
records a couple of years ago and setting like the en route 20k record and rack like her name just was out there for months and months every time she ran a road race so i'm i think jeb Cosguy is going to provide the biggest competition to Cosguy. and if Cosguy is struggling with coming back from the olympics i think she's got the most like so other than Selpeter, who's already run 217 before but if you ask me hey who can jump up from the 218 219 to the low 217s or heck even 216s it would be jeb Cosguy. Yeah, she does have that. I agree that advantage, right? The she's gonna have the freshest legs, not just yeah. from recent memory, but over as a career, right? She's only run three. Mm -hmm. um, that should be something that will be able to help her out. So you know, I just said that the 2019 Valencia Marathon had four women sub 219. So Vivian Cherry was fourth in that race. And she ran the 24th fastest marathon in history for a woman. Isn't that crazy to think about? Fourth in a race. She got fourth in, in the race, but it was 24. Yeah, exactly. Of all time. It's pretty wild. A little bit of, little bit of 400 meter hurdles uh, energy there for the women's marathon yeah. in Valencia. Because I was thinking, all right, well, what if you have, so say, this is, this is assuming a lot, but I don't know, say Costco runs. 216 and then you get two two women in the in the 217s which isn't unbelievable given their pr and then you get like two in the 218s it's like oh where would that stack like all time it's like oh my gosh like that would be again you'd have four or five women in the top 25 of all time i think like cause guys 214 just like skewed everything in terms of our perception of the event because then you're like all right that's the greatest mark of all time. So 215, that's that's really good, but that's still a minute away. But then you're like, wait, only one woman has run 215. And guess how many people have run in the 216s? Zero. Nobody's running the 216s. Then you gotta go all the way to 217. And there's only uh, eight eight women who have run sub 218 in history. It just so happens that we're familiar with a lot of them because they're happening recently. But that 214 just it it kind of really, really skewed how impressive a, a, a two seventeen would be or a 218. Yeah, because you're like, oh, you're still three minutes off the world record. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like you're not three minutes off the world record when you run 202, you know. Correct. You're only correct. Yeah, so yeah. Except but if even you, you know if you count the 159, but you know. Right. But even if you take the two take the 220 that uh Gebra Selassie ran in Berlin, right? This past week, it was her debut. I mean that's the that puts her in the top you know top 75 all time like that's a that's a legit good mark especially how fast everything's been over the past couple of years but yeah you see 2 220 you're like okay that's sick. that's a mile behind Bridget Koskai in Chicago more than a mile if you're a former elite athlete who is like good in the 90s or or 2000s or even the 80s and you had a mark that was top 10 in the world like all time at the time when you did it or top yeah. 15 or 20 how often are you going to the list to check to see like how far you've moved down over time like someone in the 80s are they like another another dude another gal like just keeps on i'm um, just i was like 20th when i did this now i'm like 120th yeah 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 no that's a good and you just keep dropping right and then there's like one weekend yeah. where like nine people get in front of you and just like all right well i'm guess i'm not in that spot anymore I'm looking at the fastest for the women, the fastest time from the 80s, 221.06, Ingrid Christiansen. So she's 136th all time. 
just had a big fall from top tiers to now outside the top 100. Yeah, 1985. That would be interesting to to track over time, just like who uh who, like who's lost the most ground in each each event. It would have to be the mar- I mean, look, this is the this is the top of the this is the top of the women's list. Uh 2019 cause guy. I'll just go by performance. 2003 Radcliffe obviously. 2017, 19, 20, 02, another Radcliffe. 1905, another Radcliffe. 2020, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2019, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2018, 2018, 2020, 2012 with Mary Kitani. That's the top 20. So, so nothing old, nothing older than 2002. Nothing older than 2002 in the top uh, 20. To get anything in the 90s, Gordon, you got to go all the way down to, oh man, I'm scrolling a lot here. There's a lot of scrolling going on on this podcast right now. Oh my goodness. I actually did not think I'd have to scroll this much when I did. Uh, 1999, Tegelorupe, 220.43. So she was the world record holder in, in 1999, and now she's 105th. She's 105th fastest time. Man, times have changed. Times have changed. <laughs> All right, why don't you hey, tell us you about can always say you were a, a former world. You can always say you were a former world record holder. You can always say that. Yeah, but... I mean, most of the people who had world records in the, in the late 90s are still some, I don't know, top 10, top, 10, top 20. Yeah. yeah. Like 100, like at 220.43, again, as you just mentioned, we, you could see so many people do that just this, this is fall. There could be 30 women who do that. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk cross country? What's coming up this weekend? Yeah, let's do it. So uh, this weekend, um, there are a bunch of meets happening around the country at Paul Short, which should be good. Joe Piani at Notre Dame. That's going to be a good one. The one that is live on Flowtrack is the Live in Lou XC Classic, formerly known as the Louisville Classic, formerly known as the Live in Lou Classic because we didn't know it was Live in Lou, not Live in Lou. But it's the Live in Lou because that's their slogan down in Kentucky. Um, Gonna be good. It's basically the home of the Division Three National Championships, so there will be a little a, a virtual pre nats type atmosphere for the men and women in Division Three. But there are also very good D two schools and D one schools coming to this meet, as well as high schools as well. Um, D one wise, Wisconsin men, Michigan women are the two top teams, kind of there to see the type of cards that they have to see if they are going to be the top dogs in the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin's kind of a an unknown right now. I had them very – they were my under-the-radar pick in 2020. I thought they had a legit core of young sophomores and freshmen that could kind of surprise and potentially be a top five or seven team, but they didn't have a good uh, NCAAs in 2020. Uh, they're all back, so maybe they can put it together this year. Um, but now they're kind of more in the the top 20 range. And they need to kind of have another good, you know, regular season, Big Ten to kind of get me to fall in love with them again to be another podium contender. But they got Olin Hacker. I think it's a fifth year. They have a bunch of international guys. Uh, Jackson Sharp, he's pretty good. Uh, they have they have like a bunch of dudes that have broken 14 in the fives. Okay, so they should be – they should win. And the question is can they win dominantly to show that they can also get to the next level to go up against the NAUs, the BYUs. Oklahoma States. The women's side, Michigan women, they're also kind of an unknown. Um, you remember their regular season last year. They didn't get to run a Big Tens. They kind of had a 
you know, with the, the COVID protocols and all that stuff. So seeing them come back will be interesting, led by Erica Vanderland. She should uh she should win, but you know, anything can happen. And then these, you know, there's gonna be some D two teams that kind of find a way to get themselves in the conversation. Um I had who let me bring up a list of some of the teams here. I have the the start list. Give me a, a few seconds, bring it up here. Yeah, so um yeah. So like where are they? Oh, bring in the winners list. They were both uh, Grand Valley State. That's one of the top D two teams who's going to be there. On the men's side, they have Tanner Chatta, who's run thirteen forty seven in the five k. Isaac Harding, who's the D two national champion in the five and the three. He's run thirteen forty three. Um, there's also Ezekiel Kipchicher, who was a D two cross country all American. Um, so there's going to be good talent. So you look at the. Finishing top 10 in this race individually is going to be an impressive feat. Um, it's not that, like, it's not a watered-down meet. Like, there are some some top dogs up top. So it'll be interesting to watch. I'm excited. D3, my team, Johns Hopkins, they're going to be there. I'm excited to watch uh, D, D3 powerhouse on the women's side go up against, you know, the North Centrals, the Claremont Muds, MITs of this world. So that should be some fun. Anyway, yeah, watch it. Live on, live in Lou XC Classic live on Flow Track. Should be, should be a barn burner. Are you there? You're muted. I think you're muted. Sorry, yeah. I was muted. I'm back. I'm back. Here we go. Uh, yes, I was soaking it all in. I didn't want to even be tempted with interrupting you. That's why I put myself on <laughs> mute because it's just like you can't talk when. It's like, you know, an Emmy acceptance speech where, like, uh, a director who's been around is just a legend. Like, don't play don't play the music yet. Let them go. They've earned their time. You've earned your time here. We got we only got a few minutes left. Uh, or we have a few minutes left. But we've run through pretty much everything we were going to talk about. I guess we could just read your Twitter account at this point and see if you have any good replies. Um, or unless there's something else you want to do. Uh, yeah, I mean... Do you want do you talk about the, the tweet that I tweeted at? Oh, yeah, the tweet. Of ours? Yeah, 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 that actually was a tweet. That's right. There was something that was making me think, look at Gordon's Twitter account. Yeah, you're, uh, wait, hold on. I got to get through all your Sixers tweets here. Anyway, you explain. To, uh, you, 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 you set it up. Just explain. Let me first send it to, um, to, uh, the Colt, so we can people can see it on the screen. So, there we go. Let me send it. Sorry, we're doing. We don't have Travis, as you guys know. He's the one who's always pulling up our tweets, so we can do it manually today. Uh, so our our colleagues over at Let's Run, you know, they love to talk about running. That's their job. They love to talk about cross country road racing, but for some reason, they are so. St- the holding or stuck on or the concept of always having to bring up how an American born athlete does in cross country. They love to talk about, Oh, American hasn't won cross country since, uh, Galen Rupp. It's been this many years when Morgan McDonald won their leg. It's still a streak that hasn't been broken. And then, you know, uh, Justin Knight wins and they're like, Oh, still streaks not happening. 
So we thought this was all over with. Now that Connor Mance won, an American won, we can get over with this. An American hasn't won in this many years. But no, they have to now come up with a new, new, new drought. Now we have to be like, it's been this many years since an American won back-to-back titles. And so I responded to their tweet, if you can put it up, uh, Colt. If you scroll down, still on that American stat, huh? So that was my, uh, my reaction. Because it's so annoying. Nobody in any other sport, in any other profession, cares about American-born droughts. Like, what? Mm-hmm. This is – what are we doing here? It makes no sense. Well, like, who cares the guy's born in Canada or Kenya or America? They're just the fastest person in the NCAA. Yeah, ah. it's NCAA. Yeah, the thing, that, the thing that always comes up to me is, like, the NCAA is not a, a championship. It's not an organization oriented around different nationalities. It's colleges. So if you want to say it's the first yeah. – BYU's the, he broke the BYU drought or they broke the – NAU drought, that's relevant because that's the, the field that is that is out there year in and year out. But you're right, you don't hear it in any other sport. It's like, wow, this is the this is the first uh first team all uh you know, all NCAA in, in, in basketball to be from this country or, or that country. I mean, I, I don't understand it. It's it's persistent. I'm looking forward to next year if Mance wins, like when's the last time someone three peated? So like, can can they complete the three peat for the first time and wherever? Mance probably won't be there, but no. So what will happen is, be, yeah, Mance will go pro, and then like tragedy, the streak lives on. Mance won't three peat, so therefore Steve Prefontaine's drought is continues of American yeah. three peating. That's what they'll find a way to manipulate. Yeah, it, I don't, you know? I don't, <clears throat> I don't get it. Um, I think it's a strange way to to look at an international sport and again, like an international body here in the NCAA, because you're right, they're put, you're pulling in athletes from all over in other sports. You don't even know really, right? Like in NCAA basketball, you don't even know, like no one pays that much attention to be like, man, there's like a bunch of guys from Canada on the roster. Right. Or there, there's this person from this country. It's just like, no, that's Oregon's team. That's Villanova's team. And they're going to try to win a, a national title. Um, so I don't know where it, why it is such a, a fixation of, of people. And also it's like running is such an international sport. So is it that surprising that when you pull together a lot of the best 18 to 22 year olds that somebody other than an American is able to win? Like that's not breaking news in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I just, you know, the only time you should care about the nationality of an athlete is that the Olympics or world championships because that's they're representing their nationality. That's they're running for team yeah, or USA I, or team Kenya. I'd even say, I'd even say like a major marathon. It matters. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, that's a big, it's the highest level of the sport. And even though. Yeah. But not, yeah. Major marathon is the equivalent of yeah, yeah. world championships. In, yeah. So, but like, yeah, no one was, I'm not like being like, Oh, it's the first time. Uh, an African-born basketball player is goes to the NBA Finals. No, I'm thinking it's the first time Joel Embiid goes to the NBA Finals. I want Joel Embiid to go to the NBA. I don't care about his nationality. I mean, it's more just like, cool, yeah, it's a global sport now. We got people from yeah. Greece. I'm not even going to say his name. Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah. Well, I think there's this 
there's there is a certain segment of the population who thinks that like NCAA should be American only, which is just bizarre because that's not how it was constructed. And even if you're taking the really narrow minded approach that the whole that the goal of NCAA is to improve American development in the sport. I think we have years and years of results that say, hey, this is raising the game of everybody else. It helps when you're competing against the best in the world, right? Like he's got like when Chris Derrick was in college, he benefited from competing against Cam Levins and, you know, Lowie Lang, right? Like those were things that, that helped him, right? Go back to um Rupp or whoever, whoever the American athlete is. Um and and like look at how good American distance running has gotten over the past what, 10, 15 years at the highest level. And part of that's because the NCAA competition just keeps getting better and better and better and better. Uh, but it's never been, I mean, go back and look through the history of the NCAA. There's always been an international presence in it because the schools are tasked with, hey, put together the best team. They get international students who don't participate in sports at all. Why would they not have international athletes that come to their school and then thrive? So good tweet. Usually your tweets are bad and mostly about Sixer stuff, but uh, still on the American thing, huh? So I'll give you good. I, I would like that. I would like that tweet. Appreciate it. A couple of people liked it. A couple of BYU runners liked it. Oh, there BYU you go. Runners. Yeah. There you go. There it is. All right. Anyway. Well, that's it. That's it. We'll stop that's there. It. Uh, Tomorrow, let me look at what you have on the rundown for tomorrow. Oh, wow. You have maybe interview with big name athlete that I'm not going to say. Uh, how's that going, by the way? You got that booked? I have not got that booked. So we're going to figure it out. We're, we're we'll going to have good times. Thanks, hey, Nicole. This, we were able to do a pod every day during a pandemic. We can do three pods in September. We can do it. We I can know. figure it out. Yeah. Well, we had to do, we had to do a... Uh, what do you call it? We had to do a lot in the beginning of the show about uh, animals. So we want yes. to minimize that probably going forward. I mean, it was good, though. It was good. Uh, all right. It was good. Email this pod, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, watch it live, YouTube, flowtrackpodcast YouTube channel. Thanks, Colt. See you, Gordon.